Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, welcome back. And before you start listening, please hit that red button and subscribe so you won't miss any of these wonderful guests that we have on every week. Today, I want to start with a quote. The quote is, the world needs a technology platform that's designed from the ground up to help humans thrive. And that's what this story is going to be about. Clint Carlos, my guest today, was born to innovate. He was. He's bright. He's a young, talented leader who's known for being a serial tech entrepreneur with lots of hats that he's worn in his career, which we'll talk about. He's the co-founder, along with Paul Allen of uh, Ancestry.com, of the company that now we are going to talk about today called Soar. Now, here's what's interesting. Just think about the name Soar. And you can see the backdrop of uh, what Clint is showing in just a moment, because at the end it says, Uplifting Humanity. So the name kind of says what the mission of the company is to soar and uplift humanity. Got you curious yet? Okay, how do you do that? The company is doing that through an all-in-one AI platform. I love talking about AI with guests who are into that because that's the future. We all want to know more about AI. So this is an all-in-one AI platform for connecting coaches and clients and a platform for learning content and inspirational playlists. Now, Carlos spent six years at Gallup, you know, the Strengths Finder people, Gallup, where he became the firm's youngest partner with global accountability for client engagements, including Google, Facebook, P&G, Kraft, and many, many others. And then he went on to lead several key innovation, I told you he was born to be an entrepreneur and innovator, initiatives. And today, Clint, I'm sure, uses a lot of that background as he leads his organization. So, Clint, you have been an entrepreneur from birth. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Valerie. You are welcome. So you're in Phoenix, right? Correct. And that's why I wore the garb that I wore today. Do you like it? <laughs> Love it. Very Southwest. Okay. Well, you know... I loved talking about um, earlier with you all the things that you have done as a serial entrepreneur. I want to know, tell the audience about the very first endeavor you had. I <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if this is the very first one, Valerie, but it's the very first one where I, I felt like it was kind of a real business. Um, in, in eighth grade, you know, I started a, a little uh, business where I hired a bunch of my friends on the football team and we would go out after practice in the rain in the dark and fill sandbags and sell those to telecom companies in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, it was a great experience to, you know, uh, practice hiring people, managing logistics, uh, and, and just learning hard work. Um, you know, it was an opportunity. My friend's dad was the foreman at a rock quarry 
and he said he was getting calls uh, from companies looking for sandbags. And I said, Thanks, hey, cool. I'll fill sandbags. And it was, you know, just kind of a fun uh, way to earn a little bit of money on the side. Uh, I actually was able to save up a lot for college and learn a little bit about business. I have to ask, uh, what is it about sandbags and the companies that were needing them? What for? So, you know, when you go to the street corner and there's like a green box, an electrical box, you know, they would fill those with it to keep rodents out. They would hold up street signs, anything that they could use in construction for, you know, they basically needed a large table weight. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw a need there because your friend's dad had the quarry. Quarry? How do you say it? Um, so, okay, you saw the need which is innovative in itself. You fill these sandbags, and then you told me something else you did, even with the sandbags. What was that? <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't take us long to figure out that they just needed a bunch of weight in a bag, and we were paying, you know, a substantial amount for the sand. And I, you know, started asking clients, hey, do this, does this need to be sand, or can this be anything heavy? And they said, we don't care what's in there. We just need, you know, these heavy bags. And so, we, we learned that there was kind of this throwaway uh, rock at the quarry they call P-Rock that almost nobody bought. And we could get that for free and, you know, double or triple our margin. So, you know, it was kind of a uh, fun, fun discovery. Well, that's fascinating. That, that uh, endeavor in the eighth grade, what happened to it? <laughs> well, you know, we grew the business, um, you know, employed a bunch of, bunch of guys on my team. Um, one of my friend's moms drove the delivery truck. It was an old diesel flatbed that she would drive, you know, within a few hundred miles of where we live. And when I left for college, I didn't know anything about selling a business or, or any of that. So I basically handed the keys to my friend's younger brother and said, hey, here's a good business. You can earn some money on the side and hire some of your buddies. And, and so I don't know, Valerie, but my guess is there's still probably kids in my hometown of Kaiser, Oregon, filling sandbags today. Uh, and earning a decent living while they, you know, play sports and go through high school. Isn't that fascinating? I'm going to tell my grandson about that one. <laughs> so, okay, that's a great story. You went on from there. Before you, we get to the uh, work you did at Gallup, what else in between in college? Kind of fill us in your journey, would you, Clint? Yeah, of course. So I, I went to BYU in Provo, Utah. I studied entrepreneurship in their business program, and I, you know, focused on meeting entrepreneurs, meeting investors, participating in all the business plan competitions and, and investor pitches. And shortly before I graduated, I, I had actually been accepted to law school, had a, had a scholarship for law school, um, but I met an investor and we kind of had a chance meeting and he was looking for young, ambitious entrepreneurs who weren't saddled with debt and, you know, mortgages and families. And he thought if he provided, you know, smart, young, talented people with some funding and some mentoring that they could have a great chance at succeeding early in their career um, before, you know, it's kind of too late to take those risks. And so I and five other young entrepreneurs were tutored and mentored by, by this serial entrepreneur and, and a dozen other mentors that he had uh, gathered and, and arranged for us. And we launched seven companies together. Um, most of those companies had some level of success, you know, um, to some de some degree, uh, but it was a great learning experience, and, and we grew those companies for about three years. Wow. So you're big into mentoring. I am. 
I am. I always feel like, you know, I lucked out in a lot of ways and hit the mentor jackpot. One of my teachers at BYU, uh, there was a class, small class of 15 business students taught by Larry H. Miller, who is the owner of the Utah Jazz and one of the largest car dealerships in the country. And he spent a lot of quality time with us, you know, teaching us lessons learned. And, and he became a personal mentor of mine. Um, and then through the BYU community and through this investor of mine, you know, I met people like Paul Allen, who's, you know, the founder and CEO of Ancestry, who's now my business partner and co-founder. And those mentorship relationships really changed the way that I looked at opportunity recognition, how to, how to grow and scale a business, how to, you know, bring resources to back up my idea and my vision as an entrepreneur and help me avoid a lot of mistakes that I think many entrepreneurs make in early in their career. So, you know, I benefited greatly. I was blessed to have those people in my life. And, you know, one of, one of the bits of advice I have for anyone that's looking to do, you know, what we do as entrepreneurs, which I think is the hardest thing in the world, uh, is to find great mentors. And if, if you don't hit the mentor jackpot like I did, actively seek those people out, create value, for them so that it's a mutually beneficial relationship and they will be a resource throughout your life to help help you along the way. That was one of the um, teachable points of view that you sent me that which you'll you see on the screen right now. Let's talk about mentoring. Ironically, one of my books that I've authored both on Amazon um, is called Monday Morning Leadership for Women and it is a story about a mentor talking to the mentee, and they meet eight times Monday mornings at Starbucks. So that's why the cups are there. And Great. so I totally understand the importance of mentoring. But here's a question for the audience, uh, on behalf of the audience. How do you find you were so blessed? You hit the jackpot, and it was meant to be, obviously. For those of us who don't have the connections, maybe, or it didn't just happen, Give advice to how to go to a mentor and what do you say and how do you select someone? Yeah, great question, Valerie. Uh, there's, there, we live in a world today that is really borderless. You know, there are no geographic, you know, uh, distances anymore because of platforms like LinkedIn. Even Soar.com, our platform, is designed to help people find people with expertise and insight that can help them in whatever aspect of life they're focused on. But LinkedIn is one of those really, really powerful tools where you have access to thought leaders, experts, you know, seasoned professionals, experienced entrepreneurs, really at your fingertips. All you have to do is be creative to get their attention. And I found that if, if you're hungry and you're humble and you're willing to learn, if you reach out to people they are generally very abundant and open to, to sharing that insight. I actually just had an entrepreneur at Duke University this morning ask me if I would you know, spend an hour a month with him, uh, helping him as he grows a couple of businesses that he started. And you know, my inclination is just to say yes and figure it out. Obviously, I'm busy. You know, I wake up with a full calendar every day, every week. Um, but you know, seeing someone that's kind of in that situation I was in 15 or 20 years ago, you know, gives me an opportunity to reflect on what I've learned. And, and I, I always feel like I learned something from helping others. Uh, and I think that's the perspective of most mentors is, you know, they're willing to open doors, they're willing to help as long as you're willing to put in the work, 
you know, create value in return and you're not afraid to ask. You know, Clint, thank you for that. I have to also commend you and say that you are genuinely, authentically saying this from your heart. I would love for you to share with the audience how you came to uh, co-found SOAR. Tell us what it is and the mission behind it. Just go ahead and tell us all about the company. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll go back in time a little bit. So I mentioned that Paul Allen had been my mentor in my earliest you know, tech companies out of college. And we had actually worked together on some innovation projects at Gallup, where for the first time, I think Paul discovered the value of people and culture and leadership and, and the value of coaching and the value of a strengths-based approach. And so we worked together on some projects at Gallup for, for uh, a few years, and, and then I left and started another company. And in 2017, I had just sold my interest in two companies, <clears throat> and I had all the time in the world and no idea what I wanted to do. Um, so I spent a lot of time goofing off, traveling, having fun, before really kind of taking a pause to say, what is it that I want to do in my life? What do I want? What mark do I want to leave on the world? And, you know, it took some, some months of reflecting. I took a trip to the Philippines and, you know, was impressed by the joy and happiness of people there that are living in what we in America would consider really tough situations. Uh, and, and then I visited some friends at tech companies in the Bay Area that were, you know, working at these multi-billion dollar, you know, tech giants. And I was seeing how advanced some of the technology is that they use to you know, create and instigate certain behaviors online. So for every new feature that they release, they can predict how many more minutes someone will spend on, you know, Facebook or a gaming platform. And, and then I was kind of saddened to see how that technology was being used, right? For the most part, people are not happier. They're not better off for the time they spend on Facebook. If anything, research shows they're less happy and less fulfilled. And I think that's a function of using that technology to market to people and manipulate people using their data and their personal, you know, behaviors. And I, th I thought that was really sad. And so as I thought about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, you know, I, I started to narrow down those things. And I said, okay, I love technology. Technology can be used for good. Technology can be used to help people be better versions of ourselves more often. Technology can be useful in bringing people together across the world. And so I distilled that down to two words at the time, which were elevate humanity. That was, became kind of my personal mission. And then I got a call from Paul, who I hadn't uh, talked to or, or, or seen in, in a few months. And he told me he was le leaving Gallup and wanted to, to go build a tech company from the ground up, focused on exactly what we had dreamed of doing together. And that perfectly aligned to my mission of elevating humanity through technology. And so he, you know, after a couple of months of kind of, you know, bringing in resources and assembling a founding team, we started SOAR. Uh, our first employee hire was in February of 2018. And here we are two and a half years later, uh, still having the ride of our lives. Paul and I, I think both would consider this to be our magnum opus, our, our, um, our kind of legacy project that we can, you know, make a difference and, <clears throat> and do some good through technology and through our entrepreneurship. What a story, Clint. So exactly what is SOAR? SOAR is the destination for human development. 
And it starts with our platform of coaches. We have coaches in, in seven areas of life from well-being to career well-being, you know, executive leadership, development, relationships, finances, uh, fitness. Um, and, and through that platform, individuals and organizations can find some of the best coaches in the world and friction, frictionlessly connect with them. The second part to our platform is our, our kind of high-scale audio uh, learning platform. And we've built kind of a cutting-edge platform that works on Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, soon on Samsung Bixby, on any smartphone in the world, and on any web, web browser. So billions of people have access to interactive audio learning that leverages AI to, to deliver content specifically for them in kind of what I call a curiosity-based learning environment. So, you know, when we're kids, we learn by asking a ton of questions. And then one day, you know, we're old enough and they put us in a classroom and the teacher says, okay, you're going to learn what I want you to learn when I want you to learn it. And our learning slows to a crawl. But this technology with voice interaction is the first time where humans can return to that curiosity-based learning and ask questions and then let AI stream content from sources you trust to teach you just in time for whatever you're, you're trying to learn. That just sounds so ocean, like it does it all. Now I know uh -huh. that, let's take the coaching part. So you are connected, or I should say vetted, I understand from ICF, International Coach Federation. Is that correct? Yeah, so we partnered with ICF on a major initiative this year in response to COVID-19, where we were the technology platform that powered, you know, thousands of hours of pro bono coaching to organizations that uh, were, were especially hit hard by this, uh, by this pandemic. And obviously that partnership is continuing to develop and, and we've, got, we've got more things in the works, so it's pretty exciting. They are by far the most prestigious coach credentialing organization in the world. So I have to agree since I am an accredited ICF executive coach. So your coaches then are all already vetted. Uh, and do I understand then that people can go to your site and they can find a well-vetted coach in whatever topic you just told us about earlier? Is that right? That's, that's absolutely right. <clears throat> and currently, you know, most of the, the clients coming are coming through organizations. So you might find a big international organization that has a need for a specific type of coach with a specific type of, you know, expertise using certain assessments. And so they'll use our platform to find, you know, dozens of coaches and hire them. And, and it makes it really seamless and frictionless for them to implement that without kind of having a whole internal coaching group in that organization to vet and match coaches with those leaders. And part of what we love about this is it democratizes coaching, right? We're making coaching more accessible with less overhead at, at lower costs that benefit both coaches and clients uh, at scale so that people all the way down an organization or even individuals like you and I can affordably find and connect with a coach easily. So Clint, is there an app? We, we do have a web app for the coach matching. And then, of course, we integrate with a number of third-party platforms. And we will have a mobile app where you can actually connect with a coach in real time uh, in, the, in the next few months. Okay. 
So thank you for that explanation. Now let's go over to the other part of the ocean and land on the content. That fascinates me because, oh my gosh, Clint, there's so much to learn. There's so much content. How do you culminate all of that in a way that I can go onto your site and find exactly what I'm looking for? Great question, Valerie. You know, the, the biggest complaint that, first of all, let me just say that audio learning has just exploded. And so, you know, you've got a podcast. This is, I think, your 90th episode. The hardest part about finding great audio content is sifting through the millions of podcasts in long form to find, you know, that one clip that I'm really looking for that would benefit me today. And so part of the magic, Valerie, is in kind of our data processing uh, pipeline where we ingest just massive amounts of content from podcasters like yourself, audiobook producers, universities, publishers, and individuals. You can even go upload your own content. We'll convert it all to voice, transcribe it all, index it all, uh, tag it all, and then apply kind of a universal taxonomy to that so that it's a little bit like the Dewey Decimal System, right? We organize that content into buckets that we know, and then we let our AI do the rest. So based on your question, it's recognizing your speech, it's recognizing your intent, and then it's finding content based on our kind of matching score and streaming that back to you in real time. Wow. What an exciting company that you're, you are working with and, and co-founded and and there's definitely a need for all of that. Let's go to your work at Gallup and the value of knowing your strengths. Talk to us a little bit about um, what your strengths are and how you demonstrate your strengths and your values in the company. Sure. <clears throat> you know, I love, absolutely love my time at Gallup. It is one of the best run organizations in the world, one of the most rigorous research institutions in the world. And I absolutely loved my time there. I never thought that I could work for someone else, uh, but Gallup, you know, made it so great that I stayed there for almost six years. Uh, and Don Clifton, the founder of Gallup and the father of strength psychology, you know, was, was, was one of those inspiring people. And he believed that every human being had unique gifts and talent, and that if they could find and refine those talents, they could be better than 10,000 other people at something. And so the, the first big secret to success in life was discovering what those areas of strength are and then doing more of those things and investing in those areas rather than this obsession with weakness fixing that most of the world has. You know, the, 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 uh, the, the kind of standard response for a parent who sees their child's report card is to skip past all of the A's and say, why did you get a C in this class? And that's kind of the wrong mentality for human development. Humans develop and flourish much better when you focus on what's great and, and, and what their unique and innate talents are. And so, you know, my strengths, according to Gallup, Valerie, are competition, focus, strategic, achiever, and activator. And so I think, you know, as you think about those, you know, I've, I have a will to win. I, you know, I, I learn by doing, which is kind of what the activator thing is. And so that's great for an entrepreneur because all we can really do is experiment and learn through that experimentation. And, and, uh, and so, you know, my focus is what makes it easy for me to wake up, you know, jump on Zoom calls at 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. or later and not need much of a break. 
Um, but, but I need, I, I have to find kind of a rhythm within that work to, to, uh, find balance. <clears throat> and so th those are my strengths, Valerie. I don't know, um, you know, really how to describe to someone else. I, I, I think the important thing is, you know, you don't need my strengths to be a successful leader or successful entrepreneur. Where, where you succeed is in understanding and deciphering your strengths and then applying those in your own way. Paul, my co-founder, is a very different leader than I am. His strengths are, you know, learner and input and strategic. And so he's got mostly kind of thinking themes and he sees the big picture and he's, you know, devouring books, multiple books a week. And, and so he applies his strengths in very different ways than I do. And that complementary nature of our strengths makes us great partners. That's, that's great information, Clint. Thank you for taking, uh, taking us through that thought process and, and the strengths are strengths finder uh, tool is such a great assessment. I use it as well. Um, and before I even knew about strengths finder, I always had this little voice in me that said, "Why do people keep saying you got to work on your weaknesses? You got to work on your weaknesses. Forget about that." I always said, "No, no, soar with your strengths." quote unquote. I've been saying that for years. So that's, I think, why I so enjoyed talking with you and having you on the show, because we were going to get more into that. The other thing I'd like for you to tell us about is purpose. Um, figuring it out. Everyone is trying, especially as you know now in COVID, trying to figure out what's next. What if I'm let go, or I have been let go, and what do I really want to do, and how can I do that? You shared with me, and thank you, that this is your calling. Yeah, yeah, I, I really do believe that. You know, I think my whole life I've felt like being an entrepreneur is my calling. Uh, I love the creative process. I've always felt a need internally to create. Um, there's nothing more rewarding for me than to take an abstract concept, something that's just, just an idea. And then over time and influence and execution, you see that idea come to life in the way that it affects your customers and your employees and, you know, creates jobs and, and becomes this real thing in the world. And up until then, it was just kind of this abstract concept in your mind. And so for me, that's always felt like my calling. Valerie, but even more so now with SOAR as I, you know, I'm about to cross kind of the midpoint in my life. And I, I think, you know, what do I want my legacy to be? And why do I, why do I feel that need? And so I think for me, you know, that discovery process took the better part of a year, as I mentioned, to kind of figure out what is my purpose. Um, but I think everyone has that sense of kind of something whispering to their soul that really speaks to them, that they really care deeply about. And, you know, that doesn't mean they have to go build a company around that. But, but I think if they follow those, those whisperings, if they follow, you know, the promptings to do something they feel inspired to do, uh, and they can associate that purpose with their work and with, with other activities in their lives, they're going to not only find more fulfillment uh, and feel more aligned to, to their own kind of compass, but they will inevitably find more success because when you are propelled to fulfill that that mission or calling, and you have that sense of purpose driving you on, uh, it, it's it's impossible to get discouraged and give up along the way. And so, 
you know, I, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs that come for advice or, or that I just know through my network. And, you know, I just ask them, why are you, why are you building this company? Why this product? And, and when someone can't answer that product, I, I would say, uh, sorry, that question, I would suggest that their odds of success are probably half or less of someone who really can understand why they're doing what they're doing. You know, what difference are they going to make in the world? What pain are they solving? What problem are they, are they breaking through? And once they have that clarity, um, the sky's the limit. I couldn't agree with you more. This podcast is my calling, but it didn't happen overnight. I think the thing that resonates with what you said is that you took a year to think this through. You can't just say, okay, well, I've got to get a piece of paper and pencil and write down my strengths and figure out what I've done and what I can do. If you don't, this is just my thoughts. I'd love to get yours, but we need time to reflect. And the unfortunate thing is, in today's world, it's hard to take time to reflect. What would you say about the need to take time even when you're on Zoom calls eight hours a day? Yeah, no, it's it's super important. I, I block out because I know that I'm going to wake up to a long day. I wake up two hours early and carve out time to read and think. And, you know, I live on this little ranch in Arizona, and so it's pretty quiet here. Uh, my wife leaves to work pretty early in the morning. So I've, I've kind of got this luxury and, and we don't have any little ones at home right now. Um, and, and I take advantage of that time. And, and one of my friends, another entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, Rajesh Seti, wrote, uh, he's, he, he kind of, you know, coined this concept, uh, you know, everyone has to-do lists, right? And, and what, he, what he talks about is creating a to-think list. And he actually created, published a think book, which is kind of like a notebook, but it's all about your thinking and your thoughts. And so I love that concept of creating a to-think list and jotting those things down and reflecting on those in, in the time that you carve out for yourself to really think and reflect and realign where you're heading every day. <laughs> to, I think I love that. I'm going to go get that book for sure. <laughs> Clint, let's talk about you as a family man. You are going to have a new baby on that ranch. Tell us about the ranch and what's on it. I think this is fascinating. Yeah, well, you know, uh, in May, I had a small COVID wedding. This is my kind of second attempt at, at marriage, and, and I know that this one's going to last forever. Um, and we recently found out that we're expecting uh, a son. So we're, we're thrilled about that. I have a 13-year-old daughter. And when I was, you know, looking looking to, to buy a place a few years ago, I, I kept asking my daughter, okay, would you rather live in this kind of a neighborhood or this kind of neighborhood? And she just kept saying she wanted to live on a farm. And in Arizona, there's not a whole lot of farms. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the desert. It's dry. <clears throat> but I found a little horse community that has, you know, flood irrigation, lots of uh, agriculture. And so we just started filling it with life. We've got you know, horses, chickens, uh, potbelly pigs, Great Danes, and tortoises. Um, and so we've we've kind of been hobby breeders of miniature potbelly pigs for the last few years, and that's that's a riot. And I woke up today to a big surprise. We had a clutch of uh, sulcata tortoises that that hatched. And so I was kind of busy this morning gathering all these tiny tortoises <laughs> before I let the dogs out. And, and it's kind of fun. My daughter loves it. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's like a little bit of country in the middle of town. 
Who takes care of all that? <laughs> well, it's it's a team. Uh, it, it, you know, it takes a team. When my daughter's here, she does you know everything from you know shoveling manure to uh, to you know training training the horse. My wife does a lot of, of stuff outdoors and, and helps with a lot of that. And when I'm home, you know, the nice thing is uh, it's it's kind of a nice break from my busy day to go out there and spend time with the animals. I always feel a lot better, uh, you know, if I'm stressed or, or, or you know, caught up in something to just go spend a little bit of time outside with the animals. And, you know, I, they've got this kind of magical healing ability, I think. We all need something we can kind of get away to. Mine is cooking since I'm just now for the first time in 25 years officing at home, which is delightful, I still need breaks. So I'll just go in the kitchen and do something. That's that's what I do. I don't have tortoises. I think that's <laughs> really interesting. Yeah. You, you had one other thing to share with our audience. I don't want to leave it. And you said, make an ROI contract with yourself. Always contribute more than you take. Yeah, well, this is kind of a concept that I borrowed from Tim Sanders, who wrote the book Love is the Killer App. And I read it. It was one of the first books I read, you know, coming out of my undergrad. And, you know, it, it just kind of left a lasting impression on me. And I think, you know, so often we pursue jobs, we go start companies, we do things, oftentimes with, with some of that motivation being, being, you know, selfish, like I'm going to go get that job because it's better paying and you know, and, and that's not all bad because I know, you know, there's a lot of motivations to provide for your family and do different things and create stability and independence. But, you know, he makes the point of, of you know, you, whenever you take a job or, or you, you know, you, you even take money from investors, you're making a contract that you're going to create more value than you take. And as I've advised young professionals, as I've kind of had to recalibrate my career and my own efforts time to time throughout my life. Whenever I, I think of it in those terms, and I, I kind of tend to think in terms of numbers, you know, if I can instantly see positive ROI, uh, whether that's, you know, my relationship with my employer or my relationship with my partners in business or my relationship with my customers and, and hold myself accountable to creating more value, you know, multiples of value to others that I'm receiving, then I, I think it's an important kind of gauge to, to judge yourself throughout your life, you know? And not, I don't think we often enough take a look and assess whether we're giving them up. And this is the same for relationships, you know? Am I giving more than I receive, um, you know, as a, as a father, as a husband? And I think when we do those things, when we hold ourselves accountable, we find much greater happiness and success. And you can look at yourself with integrity and honesty, knowing that, you know, your contribution to those around you and to the world is, is greater than, you know, what you're uh, absorbing back. Well, Clint, you have given us so much value today on this episode. Thank you for being my guest. And where can people find you? Well, thanks for having me, Valerie. It's been great getting to know you, and I appreciate the time. Our website is www.soar.com, S-O-A-R. That's probably the best best way to find me. I'm also quite active on LinkedIn, um, so happy to engage with your listeners uh, anytime. That's great, and I know you mean that. 
because you're authentic. Thank you for that, Clint. And so, listen, listeners, you be sure right now, just think about the value you received in this. Click that red button. Please subscribe. I want to know that you're there. And anytime, like Clint, send me an email if you've got a question. If you have someone you think would be a great guest, you know what this show is about. Authentic Leaders. Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com. Please let me hear from you. I really care. I want to engage with you. So for now, you stay authentic. Enjoy life like Clint has talked about. Be fulfilled because you know you're doing it right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.